community of God's people. Uh, we're usually in the Medaridge uh, Church, and, uh, but it's always a joy to be here uh, to worship together with Pastor Brad, his wife, Brad, his wife, and all the leadership. Really a joy, and thank you for having us. Uh, like he said, my name is Jacob. And my wife, Juliet, uh, three sons, Zedek, Jerry, Zukisa, they're all at the back there. And uh, they put in their faces down. Uh, don't want to embarrass them, but I mean, they're big boys. They don't get embarrassed. You just wave. Um, so if we have the slides on, I think uh, I'll just tell you a little bit about uh, the mission organization that we're part of. And it's exciting to see... Lots of young people, wonderful faces, uh, not young in a condescending way, you know, like just the future of the gospel, uh, people that are coming in fresh DTS. Really good to have you. Welcome. Welcome to Cape Town. I'm sure you've been welcome before, but can I, on the behalf of this congregation, say you're really welcome. Welcome to Cape Town. Welcome to Connect Church. Um, and really pray that your time here will really be a blessing. Uh, don't worry about all the negatives that you've had. God is at work here, and he will really, really make your time with well. So welcome. Um, so we, we part of Africa Inland Mission, as you will see, started in 1895, definitely before I was born. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and uh, by Peter Cameron Scott, and about seven others, and all of those people... One year after that, either died or almost resigned or almost gave up or couldn't just carry on because of severe difficulty, illness, difficulty of some other sort. Um, and some of them pressed forward. And today, 2019, there are over 1,000 missionaries in about 20 countries or more that are taking the gospel to the unreached. So that's the organization that we're serving with in Cape Town because we're originally from Nigeria, from the north of Nigeria. Um, but we're here as missionaries and just contributing to what God is doing. And uh, Louise, who is one of our missionaries in some part of Kenya, has her dad sitting here that is part of the AIM family because his daughter is one of our South African missionaries that has gone. Um, so this is our purpose. In South Africa, we aim to inform the church through Mission Weekend or Mission Expo or just setting up, just inform the church or through training and equipping, which is primarily my role, um, either in mission courses or in theology courses at theological colleges or through running a Kairos missions course or repurposing business course. Um, all of that to just help the church in their journey to mission. And we also seek to partner with churches because the church is actually the people of God that do mission. And we're not the people that do mission. We're just facilitating that. We partner with the church. And we help to send to the unreached. Uh, our focus usually is the unreached people. And uh, you can find, can I just have this? Thank you. Uh, you can find all the information so that I don't have to talk too much. Every information is there somewhere at the back that will tell you what we do as an organization. I'm going to flip through this too, very quickly. These are some of the ways you can engage with us, either going for two weeks to three months, two weeks to three months, rural or urban, or one to two years. That looks like me. Um, 
I think it's my brother. Okay, yeah, that's me and my wife, Juliet, and I'm involved in training and uh, equipping. And my wife is involved through mobilizing prayer and intercession. You'll always find her in Masipu Mulele, helping people to pray and intercede for revival and engagement with God's mission every week. So that's how we work um, here. Okay, I just put this up because it just wouldn't let me not put it there. That some are called to go, some are called to stay, but all are called to pray. And having said that, I think we can begin to run now. Right. So, the two things that were on my mind today is to just do what I've just done now, to tell you something a little bit about our mission organization, because that's, that's where we work from. Uh, we belong to Connect Church, but we're part of that mission organization. I thought I should just let you know very briefly. But the big thing that God has put on my heart today is to just bring God's word and pray that that word will minister to you encouragement to your heart. And that's the big thing. And if that happens, then that's great. And yes, Hebrews 12. That's the place. And I just, you know, while praying and preparing for this, I just felt really in touch with my Baptist root to just keep it three-point sermon, you know, like point one, point two, point three. Nothing more than that. Nothing complicated, nothing long-winded. Just, just keep it short and keep it straight to the point. So let's look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 to 3. Now, the author of Hebrews, um, and we're going to get to there, but I think it's on the screen. If you don't have it in your Bible, you can open your Bibles, you can look to the screen, but let's take a moment and just look at what the author of Hebrews is saying in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 to 3. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. And there are some readings from scripture that by the time you've finish that short reading, you kind of feel the message is already done. You know, that, that's it. That's it. That is it. The author of Hebrews begins his letter to a group of Christians. And if you can put to the next slide. The author of Hebrews, uh, where is it now? Great, thank you. He writes to Christians that are facing weariness and tiredness. He, he, he puts together this letter not to some non-believing people. He, he wasn't hoping that, 
you know, some people that do not know Christ will eventually know Christ. I mean, he, he would like that to happen. But what was on his mind was that there are a group of people that are already on this race of faith and are getting weary. They're getting tired. And I don't know. I don't know what was the reason for tiredness, but weariness comes on this journey. Weariness comes on this race. And weariness was the experience of those Hebrew Christians, maybe because of persecution, maybe because of life difficulty, maybe because of death, maybe because of crime statistics in our nation, maybe because of the news of rape that just wouldn't let us be. Some despondency was setting in. It was a reality for them that they were beginning to wonder, this is just too much. Instead of those whales visiting, I think I need to exit. You know, I had the person leading worship say that. You know, we've got whales visiting, all the animals visiting, nature is just clapping its hands in worship. But some are getting so despondent that they just are asking, how much is the price of that ticket to Australia again? You remember that? You know, it's like there is such a sense of despondency that is really coming to God's people from every angle. And it is not new because that was the situation of the Hebrews Christians. And so God's word came to them. The other thing I'd like you to know is that the author of Hebrews, in the next slide, comes with a metaphor to help them to keep running, to look Pass the sense of despondency and keep moving forward. And he chooses the metaphor of a race. And for us that are here in this beautiful nation, we know about the Comrades Marathon. It's one of the oldest I hear. I have never run it. Someone said, you know, <laughs> did you say life-threatening or something? It's a good life just not to <laughs> I've got a friend that does it, and I keep wondering, you will never believe this guy does this marathon. He doesn't look it, Professor Smarty. He doesn't look it. But he does it every single year. And sometimes I wonder, what's going on? Why do you do such a thing? It's like 90 kilometers of running. Do you know that the first time that my wife eventually convinced me that it's not a sin to go to the gym, and I agreed... <laughs> And I tried to run for five minutes. I felt like my heart was going to be ripped out. Five minutes. Thankfully, now I can endure, you know, for a bit longer. It got to 10, it got to 15, got to 20. And I, unbelievable, the first day I stayed on that thing, including some crawling and some walking, and it got to 30 minutes. I said, yeah, I did 30 minutes. It's incredibly hard. It's tough. It's difficult. So when he uses this analogy, when he uses this metaphor, he's telling these Hebrew Christians that this race of faith takes a lot. A lot of preparation, a lot of endurance, a lot of persistence, a lot of grit, a lot of just going on. And so with those two things, 
Let's hear how he packages that introduction. I mean, that, that, that encouragement in three verses. Could be more, but let's say true to our Baptist roots. Let's keep it three points. And let's just take it verse 1, verse 2, and verse 3. And let's just explore and reflect how the author of Hebrews just brings encouragement in God's word to God's people. In verse 1, what do we see in verse 1? He says to them, look back. He said, therefore, having this great cloud of witnesses. Do you remember we read that in Hebrews 12.1? He said, having this great cloud of witnesses, therefore let us run. In other words, he's telling them that look back, there are witnesses to the faithfulness of God. All the people that are listed in chapter 11 of Hebrews. He says, look at this people, they endured joy, they in, I mean, they enjoyed joy, some of them, and then they endured pain, and some of them had struggled with sin, and the, the sinful world was battering against them in spite of that. Look at them and remember that God is faithful. God is faithful. The author of Hebrews says to them that when you look at people like Samson, would you remember that it is more than Samson's faith for him to have made it to the end? It took more than Samson's faith. When you look back and see people like Rahab the harlot, that's how the Bible calls her, it took more than her grit and faith. When you look at people like Moses that had all kinds of attitude issues, anger issues and all of that, it took more than his faith for him to make it to the end. What am I saying? That they trusted God in faith, but it took the faithfulness of God to take them to the end. And the author of Hebrews says, remember that. Remember that God has got your back. God has got you. He's, uh, he, he, the, something about God is called covenant faithfulness. For everyone that is on this race, you got to back up in the God that is faithful. Be encouraged. Be encouraged. Be encouraged. In spite of whatever it is that is causing despondency, whether it is the society, whether it is personal failure, personal issues, whatever kind of difficulty that's thrown at you to really make you begin to think this is too much, can't do this anymore, I'm just going to turn back or kill myself or do something stupid. Whatever it is that is thrown at you to make you despair and fall into despondency and fall into a black hole of hopelessness, look back. And be encouraged that God's covenant faithfulness is able to uphold you. It's able to keep you. And because of that, now you've got to do something. Throw away every hindrance of sinful entanglement and keep running your race. Just keep putting one foot in front of the other. Just do that. Just do that. Just keep running your race. Keep moving. Just Keep running your eyes. We see that in verse 1. Verse 2. 
he says to them in verse 2, looking unto Jesus. Do you remember that in verse 2? He said, looking unto Jesus. So the author of Hebrews comes to them and says, all of you Christians that are on this race, on this long marathon, you've got to keep looking focused on Jesus. You've got to stay focused on him. And that's the big difference between this race and comrades marathon. For comrades, you've got to keep looking forward. This one, you've got to keep looking upwards. You know what? For comrades marathon, you, you, you can afford to take a chair from friends that are somewhere hanging. And you, know, you can draw encouragement from them. But in this race, you've got to keep looking up. And that's a huge difference. Why? Because the person you're supposed to be looking up to is the author and the pioneer. He's the authority that authorizes how the rules of the game are. So he, he becomes the only person you can look to to know how to run well. Because he's the author. He authorizes. He, he, he's the one that decides what's right. Not even the society, right? Not even the culture. Not even the people that are around. You know, they, they can cheer and say, hey, hey you, you just get, you, you, you're almost there. They, they can do that. But if he that you're looking up to says, you're out of line. If he says that, then you're really out of line. So he says to them, he is the end point. He is the perfecter. He is the finisher. And why did he say you should look up to him? He endured the cross to the end. He completed his race. So the author of Hebrews presents Jesus to them and said, stay focused on Jesus. Stay focused on him. Stay focused on him because he is the perfect example of finishing. Any other person can fail and falter. He doesn't. Any other person can be even a reason for you to be discouraged. And say, oh, couldn't finish this race. I thought he was, you know, I was drawing motivation from him and he failed. I think it's time to turn back. That can happen when we don't stay focused on him. So the author of Hebrews raises Jesus and says, that's the standard of our staying focused in this race. Not a person. A person can encourage, that's fine. A person can motivate, but the standard of focus and how it should be done to the end is Jesus. So look up. And not around. Focus on Jesus as the perfect example to complete your race. If you need any perfect example of how the race should be run, what is authorized, what is not authorized, what is good, what is not good, what is right, what is wrong, don't take it from the society. Don't take it even from some of your friends. If it is wrong and your friend says right, but the author and the authority of the race says wrong, take it from him and correct your race. You're going to finish well. Verse 3, it says to them, consider Christ. So he's raised Christ as an example of how to stay focused and run the race to the finish line. And now he comes back again in verse 3 and says, consider Christ. Why will he say consider Christ? He says, look to Christ as a perfect picture of endurance on this race. Consider Christ who endured the shame and the scorn of men 
and endured the cross. Consider him as the perfect example of endurance. You know when he says consider Christ. Can I encourage you today. That what the author of Hebrews wanted them to remember. Is that when Christ hung on that cross. There is no better way to exemplify enduring pain. When Christ hung on that cross, there is no better example of describing shame. When Christ hung on that cross, there is no better way to describe working through complexities and confusion of being God and yet subjected to death like a common criminal. When he said to them, consider Christ, the author of Hebrews wanted them to remember that when Christ hung on that cross, there is no better way to describe how to just stay on to the place of death and resurrection. When the author of Hebrews said to them, consider Christ, the author of Hebrews wanted them to remember that by the power of the Spirit, there is victory. Because the cross is more than just a symbol and an example. The cross is God's statement of victory over sin itself. The cross is the statement of God's victory over the power of death. The cross is the symbol of God's victory over every pain that we can ever imagine. On the other side of the cross is God's victory. And he says to them, consider Christ. By the power of the Spirit, he hung on that cross and he resurrected. And therefore be encouraged that there's victory on the other side of the cross. And you can say amen to that. That doesn't make you something else. It's just agreeing with God. That there is victory on the other side of the cross. Endure the shame. Endure the pain. Endure the contradictions of men. Endure whatever it is that's thrown at you. Looking at that cross and remembering that behind that cross is the power of God's resurrection. Behind that cross is God's power over sin itself. Over death itself. That there is coming a moment and a time. Because of the work of the Spirit, that victory will be very, very real. Amen? Amen. All right, let's bring it to a close. So the first thing I'd like to say in closing is this. Right? Look back to the witnesses in Hebrews 11 and be encouraged that God is faithful, no matter what. No matter what. Look back. Remember, God is faithful. You've got to say that to yourself. You've got to trust that that will sit in deep within you. That no matter what, God is faithful. You know the implication of that? It simply means you don't run away from him no matter what. You run to him. You don't run away from him. You run to him. He's not the problem. He's the solution. You run to him. 
No matter the sense of despondency or pain or fear or worry or anxiety, no matter what it is that is thrown at you on this race, you don't run away from him. You run to him because you're deeply convinced that he is faithful. Convinced he's faithful beyond rhetoric. You know it in your heart. He's faithful. You don't run away from him. Second thing in closing, look up to Jesus and endure through the power of the Spirit to finish your race. Because it's the power of the Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, isn't it? It is the power of the Spirit that made a mess of that cross and said, I lay my life and I take it up again. And he just, he just came out of that grave. Through the power of the Spirit, you can look to Jesus and say, Lord Jesus, by the power of your Spirit, give me the capacity capacity to press through this present circumstance to the finish line. You can do that. And finally, consider Christ and look forward to the final victory of the cross. Sorry. Friends, this is the author of Hebrews. By God's Spirit, Speaking to Christians that we're facing weariness for whatever reason. And this is God's word for us today. And I know very well, I know very well that it is possible to be at a stage in your life that weariness is not an issue, full of energy, full of life, you know. Everything is just cool, maybe just out of high school or something. You know, there's really no reason for you to feel weary. And that's great. That's great. But there's something called growing up. <laughs> when it begins to happen, then you have a thousand reasons to be weary. And when that comes, will you look to God's word and draw encouragement. And don't be among the statistic of those that run away. Or those that run sideways. Or those that turn around and say, I denounce God. That you wouldn't be that statistic because God's word will be the anchor that you can look to and stay strong. And maybe you're sitting here and you just know that weirdness is real. Maybe you're sitting here and you're in that space where you know that tiredness is not a foreign concept. It's a reality. I mean, I was there. I've experienced losing a mom through cancer. Oh, it, it was hard. It was tough. It's difficult. I think it's one of the most difficult things I face in my excited journey. You know, I'm, I'm just this person that trusts God and just run in excitement and do whatever God wants me to do and just go wherever he wants me. Before I even got married, it was even crazier. I could just say, God wants me to go to do this and I'm gone. And that got challenged with a diagnosis of cancer on my mom. And I know the reality of weariness. I really pray that God's hand will bring such an encouragement that is supernatural. That God's hand will bring a renewal of strength in such a way that only Him can do. So two sets of people today, some that are really not really clear what is weariness. When it comes, look to God's word. And the other set of people that are struggling with weariness due to whatever reason it is, that you will look to God's word and trust him to give you grace and strength to endure and press through.
to the finish line. Let's pray. Can I ask you to pray for God's people? We're going to take a moment to pray together. And uh, perhaps there might be some of you you want, you want to be especially prayed for. Afterwards, we're more than willing to do that. Some of us will be available at the front, and we're going to do that. But let's close as we pray. Lord Jesus, we want to thank you and bless you that it is you that we are able to look to. You are the Lord of glory, God. You are the author of creation. You are the author of our faith. And even if we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we do not need to fear evil because you go with us. And you strengthen us and you comfort us. You lead us beside streams of still water and you restore our souls. You prepare a table before us in the presence of our enemies and our cup overflows because your goodness and mercy continue to be poured out in our lives as long as we live. Because you are a faithful God. Because you are a good, good Father. Your love for us is so, so genuine. So compassionate. Full. Lord, we want to pray for us this morning. We want to begin by praying for those who might be full of life. And full of joy. And we want to thank you for that wonderful blessing, God. And we say, Lord, let it continue. Let them run and let them grow in the Spirit of God and in wisdom. Let them follow you and serve you with all that they have. But Lord, even young men grow tired and weary. But those who trust in the Lord will renew their strength. And so we pray, God. We pray that wherever any of us may face weariness, Lord, I pray that we would turn to you. That we would put our trust in you. That as Jacob said so, so simply and yet so powerfully, that we would not run from you, Lord, but we would run to you. And in the closeness of your presence, that we would find strength in our time of need. Thank you, God, that we can come to you boldly. Thank you that by the blood of Christ we enter boldly into that most holy place. And Lord, we, we pray, God, that as a people, would, we would be a people that rest in the faithfulness of God. And that rests in the empowering of the Spirit. And we ask, Lord, that where we are carrying and struggling with weariness now, Lord, that by your Spirit you would pour new life into us. And you would pour new hope into us. And you would remind us, God, of the, your faithfulness. I so love, Jesus, how every time you spoke in the Old Testament, you would remind your people of who you were. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I am the God who led you, led you up out of Egypt. You are the God who is faithful, Lord. And this morning we choose to put our trust in you. We choose to turn to you. We choose to run to you and set our eyes on you, Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And we choose to find our strength in you, that we would run this race, God, that we would endure everything that is set before us, and that we would finish strong, that we would receive the crown of glory, that we would hear those words, well done, my good and faithful servant. Because God, we desire that through our lives, your kingdom would come. 
and your will would be done. And so we commit ourselves into your hands together this morning. And in your name we pray, our Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen.